Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to you today. I'm so glad you tuned in, and I pray that this message will be a blessing to you. As in the United States, we are in the season of Thanksgiving this week. As a matter of fact, at the day of this recording, it is Thanksgiving Eve, and tomorrow in the United States, we will celebrate Thanksgiving. The day that ever since early in our founding, we have chosen to set aside to thank the Lord. One of our presidents many years ago established this as a national holiday to remember and thank God for all of his goodness throughout our lives, stemming all the way back from when the pilgrims first held the Thanksgiving feast with the Indians in our early days of our country when the settlers were coming to found this nation. And the nation of America is in serious trouble today, yes. And we've strayed from God, yes. And we've committed many sins and many atrocities, yes. And for many of those, we have tried to make atonement. For others, we recognize that God is faithful and he is going to have to judge America. And we recognize that. But we also know he's been good and he's been faithful to the people in America, to the people that know him, to the people that call out to him, and we trust him for that. And so in light of Thanksgiving, I just wanted to deliver a short word that has been on my heart this week. And I'm very thankful for all of my past blessings from the Lord. I've sat down some this week and begun to think about my, I call them, but God testimonies. Things that the Lord saw, the things that the Lord did in my past, the things that the Lord showed up and was gracious and merciful, the things where God has protected me, the things where God has provided, the things where God has healed, all the different things. And I encourage you to do likewise. I encourage you to take some inventory. And not just one day a year, but may God grant us to be a thankful people. The direction that I want to go today is in thanking the Lord for what is coming in the future. I was really reminded, especially in considering the early pilgrims and the Thanksgiving feast, that we too are pilgrims. We are pilgrims today in the 21st century. Everyone around the world that knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, every remnant believer, every true Christian, every genuine disciple of Jesus Christ, we are pilgrims here. We don't belong here. This is not our eternal homeland. And we can be grateful to God that that is true and that we seek the homeland that is above. So in light of this, I'd like to speak on this for a few moments, and I hope that it will be a blessing to you. And to do so, I want to direct our attention to Hebrews chapter 11. Now I'm going to read a few different verses from this chapter, as I was directed here by the Lord when I started thinking on this aspect of us being pilgrims in this earth. I want to first read verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2, for by it the elders obtained 
a good testimony. I want to speak on this for just a moment because I did some word study on this and I'm going to really focus more on it in my Hebrews book study, Bridge to Excellence. So we'll be dealing with that in a coming lesson in that particular series. But it was neat to me because the Lord was directing me here to understand that faith actually is the concrete foundation, the concrete essence. It's the support. It's the actual existence that is due to a foundation or a substructure. It's that firmness, resolution, confidence, assurance, firm trust, and basis. Several years ago, my husband and I built the only house we've ever built, but we had to start with a solid foundation. And I remember when they came out and they marked the space and, you know, set the wires in place, the rebar and so forth, and poured the concrete footings and all of that. And we were watching them that day as they did that and set it on a good solid foundation. And it was the substructure that held the home and it held it in place. It held it in days of storm. It was because we had a good, solid foundation. Faith is that foundation. It's the substance, the concrete foundation, support, and substructure for the things that we have hoped for. The things that we are resting our confidence in while we wait and expect them to come. It's awaiting with joy and full confidence in, expecting good with this confidence. Faith is the substance or the concrete foundation upon which our hope rests, that resting confidence while we wait with joy and eager expectation of what God has promised us that is to come. It is the evidence or the proof, the persuasion and the conviction that that has been proved. The evidence of things not yet seen with our eyes, not yet looked at, not yet discovered or even understood. This is encouraging because it's not just talking about the things that we can't see with our physical eyes. But even when God leads us into something or God gives us a promise and we don't understand it, we can't even envision it yet. Faith is that evidence, that proof of what we cannot yet see or understand. And verse 2 tells us that it's by faith in the fixed position, resting in this faith, grounded on the faith that the elders or the leaders of the faith, the patriarchs, the apostles, the prophets, all of those that will be listed here in this hall of faith, we call it, Hebrews chapter 11. These have obtained a good report. They've given evidence of, they, they have testimony in confirmation. They are declaring distinctly and formally being a witness. It takes us to the idea of a trial where there is a witness 
that swears to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And they give evidence and evidentiary testimony to what they know to be true. The elders have obtained this good report. They give this testimony and affirm that it is true. Then the author of Hebrews goes in the next few verses and begins to give a few examples. He talks about creation and how the rhema word of God, the word of God, framed or completely, thoroughly fitted the world exactly as it should have been. And then he talks about Abel, righteous Abel. And then he brings up Enoch, the seventh from Adam that pleased God and God took him. Then he goes in verse 6 and he speaks about how someone can please God. He's just told us that Enoch walked with God and pleased God, having that testimony of truth and genuineness in his life and in his lifestyle. So verse 6 tells us how somebody pleases God. And it all goes back to faith. Faith is the key. That is the prerequisite that we believe that God is, that God lives. He exists just like he is explained to us and revealed in the Bible. God is. And he is the great I am. And additionally, that God is a rewarder. That word is talking about giving over or giving back wages. It means someone who pays wages or pays what has been agreed on and what has been promised or expected based upon the promise, his word. You know, when people go to a job, take a job for work, between them and the employer, they agree to the wages that they will be paid for their work. And as the employee does his work, the employer becomes liable to pay what he has promised. Now, we say this with all reverence to the Lord. He is not liable to us for anything. He has granted to us all of the blessings beyond grace and mercy and love beyond what we ever deserved. So it's not as if we deserve anything from him. But in his excellence and in his goodness and in his grace and mercy and his unfailing love, he has promised to pay and to grant certain things to his children, to those who love him, to those who fear him. And he will pay those wages. And the person who pleases God believes that he will do what he's promised. Believes that he will reward when we love him and when we honor and obey him. We don't honor and obey him to get rewards. We're not trying to earn God's favor. Salvation is a free gift. But we need to please the Lord also. And by obeying him. We please him, believing that he will do what he has said. Now, who does he promise will receive these rewards? This is very important for us to understand. The recipients or the ones that God will pay the rewards to are those who diligently seek 
him. Jesus talked about seeking first the kingdom of God. And then God adds all the other things to us that we need. This is talking about those who will search him out. Those who will investigate. Spending time and studying to understand. Those who will scrutinize the word so that we understand him. Investigate it. It also speaks of those who crave him who require him and seek earnestly after him. This implies those who are actively seeking to understand and know him. They're not content with a casual or careless or carnal experience with God. God's not interested in those that are casual, those that come to him like a fast food drive through grab it and go, spending very very little time with him, not caring to seek his word, not caring to read and study, not caring to spend time asking him for understanding and seeking him. He's not interested in the careless one who comes and it's kind of a slippery situation. They're not careful to be accurate about knowing him, accurate about understanding his word, not caring to accurately divide and rightly divide his word to understand it. He's not interested in carnal Christians, those who are really self-seeking or after feel-good or pleasant-sounding things. No, the ones that he promises he will reward are those who will seek to know him and to understand his promise, to build solidly on the firm foundation of faith to love and have confidence solidly because we understand the truth about him and about his promises. Then he goes on in Hebrews 11 and he speaks of other examples, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah. And this is where I want to park for today, so to speak. Abraham becomes a leader, a sojourner, an example for us, he lives as a stranger in this place. The Bible says in verse 8 here in chapter 11 of Hebrews that Abraham went out not knowing where, in other words, not knowing at what locality he was going to end up or where he was going. But notice that the locality was his by promise, but it was in a what I would call a yet-not-yet status. And while he was waiting on the fulfillment of the promise, he was a stranger in that place. The waiting time was because there was a set time for the fulfillment of the promise. And it was not yet during Abraham's lifetime, but Abraham kept the faith. He and his children, the Bible says, were dwelling in tents because they knew they were heirs of the promise, even though it was in a yet-not-yet yet status at this moment. Abraham looked for and awaited what was to be, expecting it and accepting its promise. Sarah also had this foundation of faith because she judged or she deemed and esteemed that the God who made the promises was well able to keep them and would in fact do what he said. She judged him who promised 
to be faithful, that he was going to do exactly what he said. Now that sets us up for where I want to read next in Hebrews chapter 11. I want to go back and just read verse 6. We've already discussed it. And then I want to begin to read beginning in verse 13. Verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Verse 13. Let's actually begin the reading in verse 9. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then it talks about Sarah receiving the promise of the son, because even though she was past age, she believed God was faithful who had promised. Therefore, beginning in verse 12, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These, these patriarchs, these elders, these people that stood in faith expecting God to give forth the promise, whether in their lifetime or not, these all died in faith. In other words, they died before they could physically experience the promise, but yet they knew it was true and rock solid and would come to pass in its time. Verse 13 again, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. They saw them in the distance. They realized that these things were not yet. They were the yet, not yet promises, but they were still going to come and they would happen in their perfect timing. They saw them afar off and they were assured of them. They saw them at a distance in the future that they would come later and be fully fulfilled. They were persuaded of them. They were assured of them, convinced with no doubting. And notice this, they embraced them. I love that word and that picture. It is to enfold in the arms. It's to draw them close to oneself and receive joyfully, to welcome, to embrace. They embraced these promises knowing that they were real, they were true, and the God who said it was going to bring it to pass. Whether they got to see it in their lifetime or saw it just from the distance in faith and their children or children's children would experience it, they were convinced and they embraced them. They welcomed those promises. They rejoiced in those promises. And notice in response, they confessed. They agreed to. They said the same thing. They conceded. They did not refuse, but rather admitted that they were in their lifetime. Their condition and status here now was that of strangers and pilgrims strangers. Let's look at it. Verse 13 again through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, 
but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. They confessed that they were pilgrims and strangers here. They're foreign aliens, so to speak. They were guests here. This word also, it's interesting, stranger means without a share in. In other words, they didn't own a part of this earth. They didn't belong here. They have no share in it, and they knew it. You see, we're like that. Jesus said it like this. He said we are in the world, but not of the world. We're temporarily passing through. We're temporary pilgrims here. We're strangers here. This is not our homeland. This is not our eternal home. We're just passing through this place. Pilgrims are those, in the Greek, it means that they are residing in a country that is not their own. They're a resident foreigner. One who comes from a foreign country into a city or land to reside there by the side of the natives. We don't belong here. We are in the world, but not of the world. We are pilgrims here in this place, and we are awaiting our real home. And while we are here, our life, our heart's desire, declares and seeks after that we are wishing for. We are seeking and craving the better country, our homeland country, our heavenly home that God has prepared for us. I want to close us out by looking at the promise that we cling to that is the basis and substance of what we are hoping for. And we believe that God is and that God is a rewarder. He will give to all of his children that are seeking after him diligently, diligently expecting him to fulfill his promise. One day we are believing him for our homeland, for the citizen citizenry to enjoy our homeland, the country and the place he has prepared for us. So I want to leave you with these words that Jesus said in John chapter 14. Verse 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, are many rooms, many places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Praise be to God. That's our homeland. That's where our citizenship is. And right now, we're simply 
pilgrims passing through this place. Are you craving the homeland? Are you a pilgrim? Are you confessing that you are just a pilgrim and a sojourner, a stranger here? You don't belong here if you're a Christian. Are you hopeful and awaiting our homeland? Are you hungry and craving the true homeland that we are on the way to? I want to actually close us down with one final scripture, and it's found in 1 John chapter 3, and I want to read the first three verses. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it's not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Are you craving our real home? Are you craving the place that Jesus has prepared for us? Be ready. Be craving it. Recognize that we are pilgrims here, eager to go home. And may this thought and this understanding help you to thank the Lord in a special way, not just for all of the past and all of the things he's done for us yet to this point, but also for the promise that he has given of our eternal home. If your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you are a citizen of that homeland and only a pilgrim here. Praise be to God for our home that is ahead. And we are pilgrims and sojourners just passing through. I'm craving my eternal home. How about you? I want to thank you for tuning in for this special Thanksgiving message. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and that you will be craving our eternal home and thanking God, if you know him and your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that you are a citizen of heaven and you will be there one day. It is his promise and he will reward you with that in a coming day. So let's thank him for that. I pray a blessing on you this Thanksgiving weekend. God bless you wherever you are. And remember to thank him for everything so far in the past and in the present, but also for what our future holds. Praise be to God. I hope that you can join us again for other messages and that this has been a blessing to you. The Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.